Good morning and welcome back to the investment series led by myself, Kabir Singh, and my associate, Xavier Ahmed. This is episode two of the investing series where we build off the previous week's debut release. Today, we're gonna expand upon what was discussed last time, except with a little more detail and analogies to appear to appeal to a broader audience. Moving right into it, today, let's our focus is stated. Don't allow a winner's game to become a loser's game. Successful investing is all about common sense and regular knowledge. As Warren Buffett has said, it is simple if it's done right, but it's not easy. Simple arithmetic suggests and history confirms that the winning strategy for investing is stocks uh, to, in stocks is to own all of a nation's publicly held businesses at very low cost. By doing so, you are guaranteed to capture almost the entire return that these businesses gener generate in the form of dividends and earnings growth. Recapping from last week, the best way to implement this strategy is indeed simple. Buy a fund that holds an all-market portfolio and hold it forever, also known as the index fund. Essentially, a basket portfolio that holds many eggs designed to mimic the overall performance of the United States stock market. The main reason that I love this product is that it eliminates the risk of picking individual stocks, the risk of em emphasizing certain market sectors over the other, and the risk of manager selection, leaving you with only one overachieving, oh, overarching risk, the stock market. Now, before we keep moving forward, it's essential to understand the magic behind compound investing. So let's assume that the stock of our corporations can earn a return of 7% a year. Compound that rate over a decade, each $1 initially invested grows to $2. Over two decades, it becomes $4. Over three decades, $7.50. Over four decades, $15. And over five decades, $30. Now, the magic of compounding is little short of a miracle. Simply put, thanks to the growth productivity, resourcefulness, and innovation of our corporations, capitalism creates wealth, a positive sum game for its owners. Investing in equities for the long term has been a winner's game. Now I hope you're sitting down for this astonishing revelation because we investors are actually average. Because for each percentage point of extra return above the market that one of us earns, another one of our fellow investors suffers a return shortfall of precisely the same dimension. Now, before the deduction of the cost of investing, beating the market is a zero-sum game. Let's talk about a loser's game. As investors seek to outpace their peers, winners' gains inevitably equals a loser's loss. With all that feverish trading activity, the only sure winner in this costly competition for outperformance is the person who sits in the middle of our financial system. Indeed, as Warren Buffett recently wrote, when trillions of dollars are managed by Wall Streeters charging higher fees, it'll usually be the managers who reap the outsized profits, not the clients. Similarly, in the casino, the house always wins, and in horse racing, the track always wins. Investing is no different. There is one simple principle to take away. Less to Wall Street croupiers means more to Main Street investors. Successful investing is about minimizing the share of the returns earned by our corporations that is consumed by Wall Street, and maximizing the share of returns your chances of earning your fair share of the, stock, or the market's returns are greatly enhanced if you minimize your trading in stocks. It's weird, right? If you want to succeed in stocks, trade less. One academic study shows, showed that during the strong bull market of 90 to 69, the most active fifth of them all stock traders turning, turned their portfolios over a rate of more than 21% per month. While they earned the annual market return of 17.9% during that bull period, they incurred trading costs of about 6.5%, and 
leaving them with an annual return of 11.4%, only two-thirds of the market's return. This is the same with mutual funds and most ETFs as well. So now that we've pretty much clarified which investment products you need to prioritize, let's talk about when to invest in them for how long, additional contributions, and different investment theories. Firstly, the biggest regret that many investors take is worrying that the market will fall because it's just valued too high. We say just invest, but invest with caution. If there are signs everywhere that a market crash will hit soon or if new economic policies are harmful to certain industries, it doesn't make sense to invest in that general time frame. But if you're already invested, there is no reason to take your investment out. Why? Because when you just look at the long term, for example, 15 to 30 year periods, I usually rule alert, I usually use a rule that if the market falls an additional 5%, I invest because the value is going to rise back eventually at a later date. I'm just buying the stock at a discount from its intrinsic value. This brings us to the two different theories of investing, the firm foundation theory and the castle in the air theory. Both discuss investor emotions and the ideas of mob mentality. I also want to give credit to Burton G. Malkiel for these theories in his amazing book, A Random Walk Down Wall Street. Nevertheless, the firm foundation theory argues that each investment instrument, be it a common stock or a piece of real estate, has a firm anchor of something <coughs> called intrinsic value, which can be determined by a careful analysis of the present and future prospects. For instance, when market prices fall below or rise above this firm foundation of intrinsic value, a buying or selling opportunity arises because the fluctuation is eventually going to be corrected, or so the theory goes. Investing then becomes a dull but straightforward matter of comparing something's actual price with its firm foundation of value. Thus, the logic of the firm foundation theory is quite respectable and can be illustrated with common stocks. The theory stresses that a stock's value ought to be based on the theorem of earnings a firm will be able to distribute in the future in the form of, for example, dividends. Famous inventors that approached this theory included Benjamin Graham, David Dodd, Irving Fisher, and the sage of Omaha, Warren Buffett. While the firm foundation theory is valuable and holds a positive impact, the castle in the air theory usually tends to lead to negative events. The castle in the air theory of investing concentrates on psychic values. John Maynard Keynes, a famous economist and successful inventor, enunciated the theory most lucidly in 1936. It was his opinion that professional investors prefer to devote their energies not to estimating intrinsic values, but rather to analyze how the crowd of investors is likely to behave in the future and how during periods of optimism they tend to build their hopes into castles in the air. The successful investors try to beat the gun by estimating what investment situations are most susceptible to public castle building and buying before the crowd. The theory involves too much work and is of doubtful value. Oscar Morgenstern believed that every investor should post the following Latin maxim above his desk. Res tantum vent quantum vendi potest. A thing is only, only want someone else will pay for it. The biggest application where we see this theory is with the madness of crowds. Mark Twain once said, October. This is one of the peculiarly dangerous months to speculate stocks in. The others are July, January, September, April, November, May, March, June, December, August, and February. Greed run amok has been an essential feature of every, every spectacular boom in history. In their frenzy, market participants ignore firm foundations of value for the dubious but thrilling assumption that they can make a killing by building castles in the air. Such thinking 
for example, has enveloped entire nations. Let's look at the infamous South Sea bubble. Suppose your broker has called you to recommend that you invest in a company with no sales or no earnings, just great prospects. What business, you might ask? Well, I'm sorry, your broker will explain. No one, no one must know what a business is, but I can promise you enormous riches. That, my friend, is a con game. 300 years ago, this was the hottest issue in England. And as you can guess, investors got badly burned. Influenced by direct, director positions and holding, investor mentality, external factors such as technology and products. For example, the British South Sea Company price was touching 150 pounds in 1720, but touched almost 1,000 pounds halfway through the year of 1720, and then fell back to 200 pounds by 1721. That is an abnormally insane amount of volatility. These same conditions were repeated numerous times throughout history. We see it like the internet bubble, the, the Dutch tulip mania, or the real estate market. And soon with this came even more factors such as valuation metrics, fraud practices, role of security analysts, and of course the media. Don't ride the wave. Focus your ideologies and stick to the plan. But don't be completely cut off. Be adaptive, but straightforward at the same time. Once you get the hang of this idea, you are guaranteed success. Now, moving forward from this podcast, please keep in mind a couple of things. Remember the power of compound investing, traditional index funds as the main instrument of long-term investing strategy, and the two theories that we've recently discussed relating to analysis and arithmetic versus investor mentality and really the madness of crowds. We'd like to give a special thanks to authors John C. Bogle, Warren Buffett, Burton G. Malkir, and Benjamin Graham for taking their years of experience and putting into books so that people like you and I can comprehend this information in a short amount of time. Please click the link in the bio to check out them so you can get a stronger understanding and more in-depth analysis and how to evaluate and how to help evaluate yourself. Evaluate your education and elevate your thinking. Thanks for tuning in. And if you have any questions, please send us a message or comment down below. Me and my associates will get back to you as soon as possible. But other than that, you have to choose how you implement this own knowledge. It's because it's in your hands now. Stay safe and stay active. This is Elevated Thinking, signing off. Thank you.